Blog Talk Radio. This is the year of the soldier. This is, you know, stand up or, or fall back. You know, I don't really have time to be worried about whether you fuck with me or whether you don't. You know, I, I own a brand called Zero Fuck. So like, do you think that I give a fuck whether you fuck with me or not? I fuck with you. We have a million other things that we could be talking about and we could be doing. And right now, I think that my duty is to other human beings. You don't got to fuck with me. I fuck with me. You know what I'm saying? These people that buy my brand, they fucks with me. You think that I see because if you're in such pain that you see, you, you think that everybody sees how much in pain you are. Because I'm, I'm coming out a little bit stronger this year. Like, I'm guillotining everybody. People that are coming to me to help, healing, they don't match. They literally stay right here. All right, y'all, I am here, and it is church for y'all on Sunday. So today we're going to have the extended conversation about love, and most importantly, agape. We spoke about that um, last last week, and I tried to break down the different forms of love, and it's so ironic and coincidental, even if you want to call it that, I had ordered my son some cologne because his birthday just passed, and um, what actually came in the mail was a cologne called uh, Edos uh, by Versace. And so <laughs> I was like, look at that. Isn't, that. isn't that hilarious that we were just talking about Edos as one of the forms of um, love. So we buried my grandmother, Audrey Mae, four years ago today. And originally I was traveling with my son. Uh, we had landed in Houston, Texas, where my ex-husband lives, and he hadn't seen his dad in uh, about three years, something like that, and he was actually meeting his baby sister for the first time. So I land, we're on our way to dinner, we went to Landry's, and um, I remember getting the call. And I'm sitting there, and I'm in the car, and they're like, you know, she passed. Now, we knew that my grandmother was sick because we had just went to see her probably a couple weeks prior to that. You know, just, you know, not so much saying our goodbyes, but we knew that there were certain things that were inevitable. So we ended up, you know, I I ended up, and, and I say this all the time, is that grief hits us all differently. And I ended up landing there, going to dinner, and keeping a straight face because I didn't want my son to be upset because that's his, you know, his great-grandmother. He had already lost his grandmother, my mother. Um, See, she passed in 2015. My mother passed in 2013. So imagine landing and then having to keep that secret, and I still did my show. If you guys go back to the Tell the Truth Tuesday around, that, around this time, uh, I did a show that I dedicated to my grandmother as I did uh, this show. So 
you know, Facebook, and I, I tell y'all this all the time, and y'all like, oh, you guys should, you know, you should write a book with all your captions in it, and kind of, sort of, that's what's happening with Black Girls Book of Shadows, but um, Facebook for me, as well as Instagram, is a notebook. That's why you'll see I have like 12,000 posts, because it, it helps me to remember. So after her funeral, after my grandmother's funeral, I said some words at a repast, which was uh, held at her house. 3233 Gorman Way, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, And what I said was mostly true. And so today I want to start bringing in how we honor our ancestors, what an ancestor is, and letting you guys know that death does not mean eternal. It just means that we can't touch them. But I think that we all get upset and we grieve because we have regret, right? So, you know, my mom, she, she did a lot of things wrong. She did. And we'll talk about that in the book. But she also did a lot of things right. So, like, we didn't leave the house. We didn't get off the phone with her. And I'm talking about this is for as long as I can remember, even as a child, uh, without saying the I love you. Just flew out of her mouth. That's just that's how she was. So she could have been her most hateful self. But before we went to school, you know, even when cell phones had an antenna and it, it wasn't even a flip phone, you know, it was all the I love you. Um, my grandmother, Audrey May, um, that house in Pittsburgh, you could have literally came in from Africa, literally, and my cousin actually uh, lived in Africa. She is African, and she came over and went to that house and, the door was literally always open. I think I still have a set of keys here. And the reason that I know um, what agape is is because, excuse me, y'all, my grandmother and my mom, two different sides to coins. So... My mom um, actually, and I'm upset because her death anniversary is coming um, on the 25th of this month. So it was just, you know, a lot going on in the month of April and in March. And then my grandmother's birthday just passed. And... um, I get upset, not not because I didn't do the right thing when they were here. I definitely did the right thing when they were here. They were proud of me, and I saw that, and I felt that, and I knew that. Um, I don't live my life in regret ever. Uh, My clothing brand, Zero Fucks, was started because I, um, I never was silenced. As a child, I was always allowed to say what I felt because all feelings are valid. And uh, each of my ancestors passing, I had the honor of being able to speak, even as a child, um, at their homegoing services, their funerals. And uh, I remember uh, my grandmother's service, in Pittsburgh uh, at Shiloh Community Baptist Church was so huge that the procession was minimum two miles long. 
you know, everybody in that city at some point knew the Arringtons, knew that we lived off the Boulevard of Allies, knew that they had the biggest house on Gorman Way. And we get into that agape love because I explained to you guys that that's that love that, to me, is only existent between parent to child, between relatives. And my grandmother, it's so funny because everyone thinks that she was so nice, and she was. But I remember seeing my grandmother at times behave very queen-like because you assume that just because someone is a queen that they are to conduct themselves appropriately at all times, and she did for what was appropriate in the situation. And I remember um, my my grandparents were married for well over 50 years. Um, The relationship that you see on fences, literally, I believe that August Wilson stole that from my grandparents. It actually was made, not not truthfully, but I'm just saying like that relationship between Denzel Washington and Viola Davis and between the husband and wife, Troy, on fences is literally my grandparents. Like he literally worked as a postman. He came in, he brought his check to her, slid it over in a yellow envelope, and he did some of the same things that Troy did. And my grandmother just literally, that's just how it was. They had seven children, um, a set of twins. They had my mom. You know, everyone came to that house for barbecues. I don't ever recall a time there wasn't enough food. I don't ever recall a time there was never enough to drink. I don't ever recall a time the heat wasn't on. I don't ever recall a time being going without in that house. All of us kids, even the grandkids and the great-grandkids, at some point stayed at 3233 Gorman Way. wasn't even really a discussion as long as you were going to school, as long as you were working. I remember um, I was working at a restaurant, and I was going to Pitt trying to get, you know, my other degree. And I remember I was giving my grandmother money, and she didn't want money. She's like, no, 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 just take it. Y'all, when I tell y'all, my grandmother worked in mental health. She worked in assisted living um, where people were mentally ill, but they were able to have, you know, some level of freedom and independence, and she worked in those homes. They loved her. And I remember my grandfather getting sick with cancer because he passed before she did. And I just remember her telling me all these stories that we'll get into in the book, um, but adult woman's stories, you know, about my granddad and about their courtship and about their marriage and just really keeping my head from out the clouds about relationships between men and women. That is agape. I made a post the other day about y'all talking about Nipsey Hussle and Lauren London's relationship and how all these men are now saying they want a Lauren London And the reason that that won't happen is because if you look at them, their attraction was far more than just the physical. That physical closeness that you see, yes, comes from probably a wonderful sexual relationship, but there also comes, that comes from understanding. That comes from her feeling safe. And if you guys go back and you read my first book, Staying in Lane, A Diary of a Hot Mess, I literally said that 
they don't make men like that anymore where you feel safe. Like, I need to feel safe. Like, anything that I say or anything that I do, I know I'm protected. I have that with my family. Like, with my dad, I have that. My stepdad, with my brothers, you know, my uncles, I have that. But with a man, it's just kind of difficult to follow that up. That is agape. What you're seeing between Lauren and Nipsey was agape because she understood him on a different level. He called himself Osiris, called her Isis. He was calling her queen long before y'all thought it was cool. And, you know, they wrote love letters to each other openly and online, which is now something that a lot of people are not doing. They are, you know, you men are sitting, and women too, you men are sitting here selling stories to women, and I just had a gentleman come at me online and say, like, you know, but you women make these, you choose these bad men, and he's like, and then they'll tell you that they ain't ain't worth a damn, and you'll still get with them. And I said, well, as little girls, we are taught to uplift y'all, the black man. We are taught to just love y'all, the black man, because the world hates you. And we are taught that we are to protect you at all costs and cherish you at all costs. And guess what that got us? That got y'all lying to us, thinking that you are greater than us, and got y'all out here lying so that you can feel that feeling with every single woman that you touch instead of focusing on one woman. So you will never get a Lauren London if you're out here spreading your seeds like it's harvest, okay, and not committing to one woman. What you're looking at with Lauren London and Nipsey was commitment. So somebody did a post and was talking about how not one side chick, which I know I don't believe in that, not one side chick or not one woman came out against Nipsey saying that she had relationships with him and this, that, and the third. And I said, the thing about calling someone a king or even a queen is that you forget that there are dangerous and unattractive parts to that title. Part of being a king is knowing that there is an entire kingdom, an entire village of people, women particularly, that you could choose from. But the fact that you chose your queen, because remember, y'all choose us. We don't choose you. That's, that's the other part of the sentence I didn't like when the gentleman was coming at me saying, and he wasn't coming bad, this is just dialogue. Um, we, we, we're not supposed to choose you. I will sit here in silence for years and don't touch none of y'all raggedy sons before I sit there and go and make my mark on a man because I am not a man. I'm not going to pursue you. I can show interest, but I'm not, I'm not, I don't do that. That's just not what I do. Okay, queens get chosen. So if I don't get chosen, I choose myself. It doesn't matter whether you choose me or not. So, you know, with the whole Nipsey Hustle Law in London, everybody wants that kind of love because that was definitely genuine, but nobody wants to admit that Nipsey probably had a bunch of, you know, baby Lauren London trying to holler at him, and it was his choice to choose London. See, that's what marriage and that's what relationships are about. You can see there, there are millions of other women that look better than me, probably do things sexually better than me, will tolerate things more than me, but that doesn't mean they got the same soul and the same intentions for you that I do. So I literally take great pride in releasing the Krakens back into the streets, you know, because the streets will always win until they get their 
face rammed into a brick wall a few times until some miscellaneous babies come up, some AIDS scare, some gonorrhea, some herpes in the mouth. All these cats do, it's, it's literally this has been going on for centuries. This is, this is not nothing new. And I tell people all the time, you know, people come to me and they say, how could you have such tolerance for this? Or how could you take this person back? Or how could you love this person? This is so beneath you. You know, love isn't beneath anybody. And, you know, people say you love who you love. No, not really. Each person that we choose to lay down with, especially, you know, you know most, most likely me, um, I don't know about what these girls do these days. I'm trying to teach them, you know, if you really thought that your pussy was all that good, you wouldn't give it to everybody. If I if I have a bowl of caviar sitting here and I know I paid a thousand dollars for that bowl of caviar and just a little spoonful is is thirty forty fifty dollars, I'm not gonna spoon feed that to everybody. I'm not. And if y'all follow me on uh, Instagram at miss.d.scott, I keep a little thing of caviar in the fridge just to throw on top of eggs and toast with cream cheese and things of such. So that's how I was taught by my grandmother and my mother as well. My grandmother also taught me. I remember I had a friend. And she was always coming back telling me what everybody said. And long before Jay-Z had the quote, um, don't tell me what they said about me. Tell me why they felt comfortable to say it to you. Long before that quote came out, which I live by that. Um, and and y'all cracked me up coming back telling me what people said, not realizing I'm looking at you like, well, what did you say, my brother? What did you say, sis? My grandmother, I remember I came in the house, I was so upset, and she was telling me something about my, my girlfriend at the time was telling me that some dude had said that he'd slept with me or something crazy. And it, it wasn't true. And I, I listen, that's another thing. I was cool with my grandmama. I was cool with my aunties. I was cool with my mama. Like, I don't, I, I guess maybe that's why I'm so forthcoming because I didn't have the type of family that you kept secrets from. Like, we told each other everything, whether it was abuse, whether it was whatever was going on. And my aunt and I have a symbiotic relationship, my Aunt Nita and I, because that's even though that's my godmother, that's my aunt, that's really also like my other mother because she was close to me in the, in the sense that, yeah, we're both moon children, we're both cancers, but, like, if something was going on with me, she would get a feeling and she would call me. See, I got the family that would, like, literally get on a plane and show up at your doorstep, like something's going on, what's good? My mom, you know, my mother was in the situation at the time. So I remember my grandmother telling me, why does so-and-so keep coming back and telling you what this boy said? Obviously she's jealous or she feels some type of way because if your name keeps coming up with him, right, obviously he must like you. I mean, she broke the whole thing down. So she said, I'll tell you what, you tell her next time she want to come back and tell you that he say, she say, tell her don't tell you no more. Don't tell it. Tell her. Don't tell you no more until she can tell you what she said about the situation. And she just like that, just shut it down. You know, my grandmother. That agape love, though. I remember my grandfather uh, going blind, and uh, he had cancer, and he ended up having to go to a facility in Chicago, which I actually flew to Chicago. Saw my grandfather, like, I'm close with my family, so you have to understand I don't have a lot of the regrets that y'all do because you didn't mow your grandmama lawn or because you didn't go by there and sit with your granddad and have coffee. And I actually had a conversation with a guy I dated not that long ago where his father would go and buy him, and I'm going to get upset. His father would go and buy him, like, hamburgers from Burger King, and, he, you know, he's, like, thinking he's above eating a hamburger. I said, you take the damn hamburger and you eat it. 
your father, who is elderly, bought it for you, and you eat the hamburger. doesn't matter if you're on some weird health kick. As an ancestor and as somebody that grew up in an Alabama household, you know, both sets of my grandparents were from Alabama, okay, and then before that, other countries, obviously. You eat the food. If you reject food from your ancestor, you may as well just go outside and dig a grave. That is one of the most disrespectful things that you can do to a person, especially an elderly person. You know, my dad, we would go to my dad's house, and he passed in 99 and just sit and have coffee with him. And that was, like, his biggest thing. My daughter came and had a cup of coffee with me, and she was in town, you know. So I remember, you know, my grandmother being very agitated with my grandfather, you know, because he couldn't do anything. He almost burnt the house down three times because he's blind. He's still trying to be independent. And I remember watching my grandmother almost get her groove back. Like she had just got to this place in her life, I guess, where she felt like, I'm going to go do me. I have done everything I'm supposed to do for my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren. When I say open-door policy at my grandmother's house, honey, I'm talking like a real open-door policy, like she was big mama, but she was little, okay? Mother dear and them, royalty. You come in the house, you know, and you see mother dear sitting on the couch. I remember she reamed all the kids for coming in the house and not speaking to her. You spoke to them like they were royalty. You might have even wanted to curtsy, Okay? And I remember my grandmother going with my aunt, like, to the Bahamas, like, to Panama with her sister, my Aunt Waddell, and all these things. And I remember my grandfather was being a baby that day, and he's sitting there, and he had his food in front of him because somebody always had to be at the house with him. And we didn't hire no nurse's aides. We didn't do that. We stayed with our parents, and we had the hospital bed in the living room. That is agape. You can't always throw money at your ancestors and at your family and think that that's going to fix things. Sometimes you need to be there. And I remember my grandmother got upset with my grandfather one day because he was whining about something. And she looked at him. He's all frail. And she looked at him. She got so strong. And she said, you shut up, Philip. Shut up. And you could just tell that she had been wanting to say that (laughs) for like 50 years. You know what I mean? But when it was done, she went and got him whatever it was he wanted, and she went on and she did what she wanted to do. So I learned to be tolerant of people, and I learned to love people based on what I saw in my own home with my mother and what I saw with my grandmother because this show is really about her today. And so when we talk about ancestors, we talk about the fact that those of our family members that have passed on, we grieve so much because I, didn't, I don't grieve. That. I, I grieve because I can't touch you. I grieve because I can't give you a hug. I can't ask you for advice until I discover that our ancestors walk with us every day. That is a fact. So you don't got to believe in ghosts if your religion permits you not to believe in spirits and, you know, all this other stuff. If you ever have sat there one day and just craved a certain specific thing to eat and out the blue it just came to you, that's not true. That's your ancestor. There, there might be ancestors that you don't even know, okay? Um, when I have different deities that are coming through, and we'll, we'll get to that uh, another show. Um, I remember one summer I did nothing but Indian food and just actually wore Indian garb. If you check my page, 
uh, for my son's sixth grade graduation at the time, and it was just very weird. And then when I started researching what I was eating, what I was doing, what I was saying, what I was feeling, I realized which goddess that was that was trying to come through. So there are times when I feel protected, and I know that that's my father, my grandfather, my grandpa Ken, my mother's father, my granddad Philip. Um, I know that was my Uncle Dennis, you know, my dad. Those are now my ancestors. When I feel the need to love somebody and they don't really deserve it, that's my grandmother, Audrey. Y'all can thank her. You see, she raised my mom. So while my mom was going through what she was going through, um, there would be glimpses of Audrey Mae that would come through when she was lucid enough to be a loving person. And uh, But same, same household here. We always, it may not have been a lot, but we always had something to eat. My sister was always able to bring her friends here. I was always able to bring my friends here. My brothers were able to bring their friends here. Everybody almost that was my friend at some point has lived in this home. And that's why when my mother passed and I didn't see those same faces at the funeral or at the wake or sending a card or any, you know, love of condolence, this is a woman that you called your aunt, my mother. This is a, you consider me your sister. So when I didn't see those faces, for me, I was able to cut people out of my life so quickly and so easily because how dare you is how I felt. Now, years later, with that agape love, I'm realizing people going through their own stuff. And just because my mother, listen, if I don't take nothing else away, my mother, who is now one of my ancestors, taught me three words, life goes on. She said, Denise, you know, when I used to battle with depression when I was younger, my mom didn't really know how to explain it. Just, you know, the moody blues. We live in western New York. It gets cold. It gets dark for sometimes six months out of the year. My mom would say, you know, Denise, while you're sitting in this room, life is going on. You know, while you're mourning someone dying or this happening and you're taking three months to mourn this death or this, you know, tragic loss of a relationship or you're mourning this abuse and you're trying to bury it or you're mourning the fact that you were almost murdered and all these other things, she said life is still going on out there. And people really don't care about you as much as you think they do. And you are internalizing all of this and making yourself sick. And she got that notion from Ajime. So I watched my grandmother love her children, my aunts and them and my uncles, to the point of willing to burn down an entire house just so her children could have heat. I watched my mom turn her back on my brothers at points and even on me and when I was in my early teens because I just I couldn't we couldn't get it together. You know, we were being disrespectful, we were, you know, a mom just didn't you know, she wasn't going for that. You had to come to her correct and she would always say, You gonna need me long before I need you and so I learned from my mother and from my grandmother how to be an asset 
not an ass. I learned how to be an asset, not just a piece of ass. Because if you can't be an asset to your man, if you can't be an asset to your family, what do they need you for? So I learned about agape love from my grandmother for people that she should have shut the door on, people that she should have never let in her house. My gra- oh, don't get it twisted. My grandmama, you know, she done been robbed. People done went in her purse. People done, you know, tore up her car, you know, just just everything. And she literally just would keep on, you know, just keep trucking like nothing happened. So I don't know if that's a form of, you know, nervous breakdown and she just, you know, kind of just did her thing. But I will tell you that she was taken care of. She was loved. Anything that she wanted, whether it was a fur coat from Aunt Joyce, whether it was diamonds from any of us, whether it was the flowers my mother sent her every year, birthdays, Christmas, holidays. My mom would send the, this table centerpiece. No matter what it was, we um, we celebrated her while she was here, that's for sure. And I think most of us that mourn these deaths, just we just really wanted some more time. You know, we just we really wanted some more time and were unable to get that time. And as a result, I think that that's why we cry. You know, we cry because we are unable to speak to them in the form, you know, we, we take for granted that we were able to just talk to them or just hold them or just have a conversation with them. Even my Uncle Dennis, you know, we went to see him because it was like something was standing on my shoulders, you know. And um, I went with my family to go see him. I think it was a week before he passed away. Nothing was wrong with him. Nothing was wrong with him. He went to my Uncle Melvin's uh, 80-something birthday party down in Alabama and actually, I believe, we believe, had a stroke, went blind in one eye, similar to what happened to my grandfather. And uh, a week later, you know, he was gone. So, you know, I, I can't express to you enough to give the flowers while you're here. Tell people that you love them while they're here. You know, I just was in a situation that I had to tell somebody that I love them and that, you know, I always did and, and, you know, things like that because I feel like I feel like Audrey May in that moment. I feel like now is not the time for me to be mean to you or be angry at you or bring up, you know, old things from the past when you in a situation right now where the thing that you need the most is love. And to me, that is agape. Doesn't mean that I'm going to unconditionally allow people to do certain things that are foul to me, but this person, I believe, was deserving of it, and I gave this person, you know, this this type of love. And it's just unfortunate that some people don't respect it and they don't accept it until it's too late, you know. So I watched Janae Aiko pen Big Sean, pen Big Sean, pen Big Sean a, a letter on uh, Twitter where she's telling them she loves them and things like that. There is nothing wrong with that. Part of us being a woman means that we get to be vulnerable. I'm not telling you to be stupid. I'm telling you to be vulnerable. If I said what I said and then say this person, you know, rings me on the phone and says, look, I don't love you, I don't, you know, and we're not in a relationship, it's not like that. It's really, it's, it's friends. But what I'm saying is, is that if this person was to call me and say, I don't feel the same way about you, I'm not going to care. You know why? Because just like in everything else I do in life, I said what I said. 
and you have to deal with that if you don't accept it and then something happens to me and you didn't get the opportunity to tell me the truth about what you were feeling or about how this came about or your truth. You know, my grandmother, she didn't beat dead horses. You know, she always knew that people were going to be who they were, and she just really acted accordingly. So now I, I used to think that my grandma was soft. I used to be like, you got to say this, you got to do this. And she'd be like, no, 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 no. And now I see that she was actually slicker than what we thought. We sitting up here thinking that she's so soft and docile when really she was waiting for you to make mistakes. She was waiting for you to have to need her again and then for her to be able to tell you no because she done already warned you or because you nobody ever really disrespected my grandmother, which is also agape. We don't we don't disrespect the people that we love. Um but that's me kissing my baby sister. Um but we definitely mourn her because subsequently after that happened I feel like my family structure began to fall apart. So for me and my family, we don't really have any more matriarchs aside from my aunts. And so when we talk about agape, you have to understand that we now in our 30s and 40s and 50s are the new ancestors. And that's an uncomfortable truth, but it's a fact. So if you are living your life right now in a way that you wouldn't want your kids to live or in a way that you don't want to be remembered, you have to change it. You know, I I posted a wheel, and and let me address something else that happened because y'all be cracking me up online with your indirectness. So I had made a post that basically said that, you know, there was a post that was going around a meme that said that we have Nipsey's in our town, but we don't support them. And I said, no, we don't. We don't have any Nipsey's in our town. That is a lie, not entrepreneurial-wise. Because to me, I didn't know him for rap. I knew Nipsey Hussle from his entrepreneurial ventures because his name just was on, on everything. And I actually posted a wheel. It's, it's like the gods just heard me, and they was like, here, throw this on them, throw this on them, daughter. So I threw out this wheel that basically showed that Nipsey Hussle contributed to $210 million worth of property, gave jobs to ex-cons over the years and influenced uh, jobs and and created jobs for over 40,000 people. Uh, Nipsey Hussle also funded STEM and technology programs for African-American kids in the Crenshaw neighborhood. Nipsey Hussle actually bought an entire neighborhood, okay, in California. In addition to, I mean, there was just, so many things, like when his friend died, he bought the barber shop so that, you know what I mean, his, his friend's family could still continue. Like, y'all not doing that. So I'm not going to sit here and, and, yeah, well, people are donating to charity, yeah, one time a year. Yes, they're doing a backpack drive. What I'm saying is, is that black people, we now have a problem with greatness being presented to us and then us saying, no, I'm just comfortable donating my backpack a year to the kids that need it to go back to school. I'm uncomfortable. I don't want to do that. I want to do more. So it's me saying that I aspire to do that because I would never put myself on a Nipsey Hussle level. And trust me, if I was to sit and write my resume, it's long, toilet paper roll long. But I don't do that because I want, just like these people, and I told you all before, when Prince passed away, Van Jones, his best friend, yes, Van Jones, the journalist, came out and was talking about all the things that Prince had done. And I told you all this on a show the year that Prince died, the, the day after Prince died, because you all know Prince was my husband in my head. And I told you all, I said, that's how I want to be. 
I said, so I, if you're living your life and you can't even get a park bench named after you, don't put yourself in the same level as a Nipsey Hustle. And then just for the record, y'all talking about this Nipsey's in the town that we don't support, I'm, I'm me. I'm Nipsey. I'm me. Because you know why? My businesses have been flourishing since 2013. That's six years. That zero fucks has been in. Matter of fact, six years almost to the date because I did my first show on Easter where I couldn't sell a T-shirt. So I had to give them away. I had to give them away. Now, I would never. You have to buy it. In addition to that, 716CBD, that's mine. And, and the unfortunate truth is, is that I've had my website, StanyaLane123.com. I actually just took that off because we're now trying to merge that with Raging Reiki, which I also own at the NAC. Gave away free services, and y'all still didn't come. So y'all don't respect free. So when y'all used to go to Nip's store and sit there and say, oh, this T-shirt's $100, this sweatshirt is $100, so what? Y'all going to pay it. Now y'all paying it because he died. Either way, it's support. It's love. But don't sit there and, and make it seem like I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And my homeboy is traveling all over. Saladin is traveling all over the country, literally speaking. So I feel like when people try to take digs at me, what would Audrey May do? I know what my mama would do, so we're not going to do that. But what would Audrey May do? She would let them think whatever they wanted to think. And then when your name keep popping up, and city council meetings, and then when you're buying up properties and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. I'm not going to feel like I'm Nipsey until I own half my city, and I'm able to employ people to work in those buildings, okay, that maybe couldn't have got a job elsewhere, carpenters, things like that, towel workers, welders. I'm, not, I'm never going to compare myself to somebody so great and I'm doing so little. And even though I'm doing much, for me, it's not good enough because that man was 33 years old when he passed. Okay, I'm I'm ten years older than him. So don't y'all gotta learn when to be humble. No, we don't have Nipsey's in our town. You know why? Because nobody is giving to that level. You have to put your money where your mouth is. And I'm tired of black people, especially thinking that. Well, if I don't have the money, okay, then don't say you're Nipsey. Say that you're somebody else. Say that you're on Martin Luther King status. Say that you are on, you know, a different type of philanthropist level. Don't say that you were an entrepreneur like Nipsey or that you want to be. I don't want to be compared to Nipsey until I'm doing Nipsey things. So I guess maybe some people took what I said as offensive, but then you're mentioning people that don't even live in the town anymore, and I can't drive past no monument or no building to see what they've done, aside from the house they bought their mama, as they should have. So like I said before, and I'll say it again, I don't have sponsors. I don't have investors. I don't sleep with people for money. You take that however you want to. I'm self-made, not man-made. No man could come in and just take everything away from me. I don't run up and down a football field, a basketball court, and that's great that they do, and I'm sure that they have done plenty for our city. Still not on Nipsey's level. Y'all got to stop comparing yourself to people when they die because they're not here to defend themselves. So I said what I said. The people that buy my products, so you sitting up there saying that, the people that buy my products, they don't look like me. No, no, y'all want to talk about white people. Let me explain something to you. Shout out to Cardamone Chiropractic Healing Hands uh, Therapy in the back bought a case, which a case of my bath bombs is 24 in a pack, uh, bought a case of bath bombs to sell at his shop for his clients. I didn't see nobody else doing that besides Mike Williamson that owns the funeral home. He swears by my bath bombs and shea butters which Tree of Life was custom-made for Mike Williamson to take away the shea butter smell, okay? 
y'all got to stop playing with me when it comes to this business stuff because just because you don't buy it doesn't mean that them kids in Mammoth Mountain ain't out, you know, skate not skateboarding, what do they call it, uh, sledding when they go out, you know, snowboarding. Don't don't think they're not out there buying the zero fucks, you know, scullies and the, and the sweatshirts and everything else that they swear by. Okay, so when I have my book signing, let me just say this and then I'm going to let it go. When I have my book signing here in Niagara Falls at Makia Perry's restaurant on 3rd Street, two people aside from my family, and I was filming for Voices and uh, Verses and Flow, which Omari Hardwick that we know as Ghost right now was actually uh, – the host of that show and actually left that show to film power. So it was a, a poetry thing that I was actually doing a video for because before all this writing stuff, I was a poet. So I remember the two people that showed up was Franchot and Shan, both of them deceased now. So you see how I just, you know, so, but here's the thing. When I did my book signing in Atlanta, even though it was at a museum and I had an agent and all that other stuff, it was packed, both book signings. So you see how you can't always just think that I, I don't need my city's approval to still go do great things so that I can come back and invest my money in my city. But, but I, I'm, I'm kind of understanding what Master P said when he said he don't rock with his hood like that because they didn't rock with him. He goes down there, he says, what's up? He does his donations, but he can't be like Nipsey because look what happened to Nip. And shout-out to Lauren Noriega, since y'all know everything, shout-out to Lauren Noriega, who actually took uh, the case pro bono for Carrie, which was the gentleman that had just got out of prison that Nipsey was at the store for in the first place, who is paralyzed in a wheelchair from being shot by the gentleman, uh, the, the whatever you want to call him, the man. Um, and she's representing his case because LAPD actually arrested Carrie for being in contact with someone that was former gang-affiliated talking about Nipsey. So Lauren Noriega, um, and that's a violation of his probation and all this other stuff. So you see how that works. Lauren Noriega uh, took the case. Uh, she's called the trap, the, the, tra the trill lawyer. Uh, definitely love her. She's a, she's a hoot. And, you know, it's just when, whatever you give in this universe, you're going to get it back. So if you find yourself passing away and you got to sell fish dinners to, you know, make ends meet to get what you needed to get, you need to just follow Nipsey's model and aspire to be like that instead of saying that you are like that and you're not doing anything in that capacity. I would never compare myself to Audrey May if I wasn't doing everything that she did and trying to aspire to be more. Our ancestors, they walk with us daily. Are you disappointing them or are you pleasing them? And those are the things that I, that I ask myself all day long. So when you see these certain symbols and these angel numbers and these scents and these songs are playing, you know, that's just nothing but God trying to tell you something. Yeah.